And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry. You can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Crank up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. A highly dubious new entry in the Premier League pantheon of tough places to go. Physios wearing predators, yes or no? How many shots on goal constitute a peppering? Are Wolves the most they'll be fine team ever? The mundane deadline day deals that just sound so right. And which very niche Premier League table has Jurgen Klopp sitting not so proudly at the top? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £3.49 a month. That's 30% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 90 of the Football Cliches podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all is David Walker. Now I'm speaking to you in the midst of transfer deadline day of course. Um, We've got a big name deal that we were hoping to push over the line but it looks like we're going to have to wait until the January transfer window to complete. I don't want to name any names but um, this is an exciting one for us isn't it? I just hope that he's still globally relevant in January that's all. Yeah this is a big deal and in a way I think, again, without being able to reveal the name of this particular transfer target, we hope that he isn't globally relevant in January, actually. It'd be quite nice if he dropped off the radar for the good yeah, of humanity. For the greater good. And all, all, all will yeah. become clear. I, I, perhaps we should tip off David Ornstein after this. Yeah. Just to give him a heads up. He'd be, he'd be so excited with that news. Um, just as I, just as we just as we were recording this podcast, as we settled down to record this, I was watching the Athletics live transfer deadline day stream and uh, I, I cut it off just as uh, host Adam Leventhal was asking Newcastle reporter Chris Woff whether they're going to get any fresh bodies through the door at Newcastle. Dave, Newcastle are the, the ultimate bodies through the door club as it stands, aren't they? 100%, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think Steve Bruce is probably the most bodies through the door Premier League manager at the moment. Definitely, yeah. When you're getting bodies through the door as your transfer strategy, that 
that implies that things are not going well for the medium and long term for you. Inanimate bodies. Um, still do a job for you. They could do the little line down but under, behind the wall at a free kick, so not completely useless. Hard to get them to sign the deal, though. Um, speaking of um, fresh bodies and fresh faces, here's a man with both. It's Nick Miller. How you doing? I'm very well. What a body, what a face. I was, I, yes, I'm, both. I'm, I'm glad you brought up faces because they're the you know, fresh faces. New, new bodies and fresh faces, is that is that what we're going with, do you think? Yeah, it doesn't have to be new bodies, just bodies at all. Bodies, all, but right. Yeah, fresh faces. Yeah, the, the implication that you're refreshing your squad, whereas bodies are simply making up the numbers. It's, um, yeah, it's very, very clear-cut hierarchy there. Yeah. Question for you. I was at a festival on uh, Bank Holiday Monday, and uh, I saw what I thought at the, that very moment... Well, he soon disappeared. A man wearing the most Barclays era football shirt imaginable. Would you like to take a guess what that may have been? Uh, well, my immediate thought was kind of even Camper where we bought Bolton. That's a good shout. Dave, would you like to guess? For me, Barclays era, I just I just immediately think of Martin O'Neill's Aston Villa with Young and Heskey and Agbon Law and Carew. So I don't know who their sponsor was at the time, but an Aston Villa from, from that time. Rover, maybe? Mm. Rover? Or Acorn? Acorn was a little bit, Acorn bit later. Yeah. Admittedly, a very very good shout and, and arguably perhaps more Barclays than the real answer. The real answer was uh, Tottenham 0506 with Thompson Holidays and the oh, blue sleeves. No, that is yeah. nice. Sort of Kappa. The shirt with the, they wore in the lasagna game. I think so. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. If he'd still been there when I returned from the toilets, I, I really wanted to go over to him and just say, you're the quintessence of Barclays. Congratulations. <laughs> he wasn't there, so we just don't know how that interaction would have turned out. I'd like to think he would have taken it in good humour. Anyway, you're both here to make up the adjudication panel this week, and it is a bumper one. There's with a sprinkling of transfer chat, but other things to get stuck into. Nick, give me off the top of your head a list of the archetypal tough Premier League places to go over the last 20 years or so. What are the obvious things that come to your head? Uh, well, Burnley uh, is always a tough place to go. Stoke, obviously. Yeah. Yep. Um, where else? I mean, generally, it's sort of it, it kind of used as a sort of backhanded compliment to maybe newly promoted teams. So, yeah, yeah. Hull that sounds feels like a kind of t- yeah. tough place to go. Yeah, maybe Swansea. No, that's not. And actually, no, that's nonsense. No, that's that. That no. was that wasn't a tough place. No, to go. Get, it's a nice like place to, get the to ball go. Ball down and play. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's just a difficult place to go, like logistically. That's yeah. different. <laughs> Although it is a yeah. part of it, I have to confess. Anyway, yes, yes. The the pantheon of tough Premier League places to go is well established, and um, to the point of going almost beyond cliche. But Dave, um, we're about to listen to a clip from last weekend where I think the Premier League tough place to go discourse plunged new depths. Here's Brendan Rodgers. A three o'clock kickoff at Carra Road with the sun shining is always a difficult game to to come to. But now we we show great resilience especially towards the end. Dave, before we get into the real detail of this, it's just complete bollocks, isn't it? It's, it's the most condescending, you know, setting out your excuses early piece of rubbish I've ever heard. Absolute nonsense. And you know what? I think he knows it. I think mm. there was there was a slight Lampardian shift, wasn't there? Because he started <laughs> off all smiles and then he sort of went, oh, actually, mm. I probably shouldn't have... I've taken the piss a bit, bit there. He sort of furrowed his brow and thought, no, you know, seriously, no, it was... You know, yeah, difficult game, but similarly to, to Swansea, Nick, as you just said, it's a, it's a lovely place to go. Why did, why is he mentioned the sunshine? That that makes it easier, surely. Wherever it is, it's easy, it's, I'd rather play the sunshine at Turf Moor than in the rain at Turf Moor. The sunshine is only diff- makes it difficult for one person, and then there's a goalkeeper without a cap. Other than that, mm. the sunshine just makes it wonderful for everyone. Surely, I want to try and work out how how deep the implication goes, Dave, because. Um, 
The, the only suggestion I can sense is that what he's implying that people from Norwich like working outdoors a lot, so they're probably more acclimatised <laughs> to you know weekend work in the sunshine. Not sure, <laughs> not sure, but I still can't. In, in summary, I mean, let's not get away from this. It's an absolutely absurd thing to say, and um, but it is also a very good example of being able to say anything in a match of the day interview mm. and get away with it. Yeah, yeah, it's ludicrous. Yeah, completely ludicrous. Yeah. Right now, if you went to every Premier League manager and said you can have. Any game you like, Saturday 3pm next week, you can play anyone. It's going to be sunny day, it's going to be 3, three o'clock, pick any team. I bet you they'd all pick Norwich. Yeah. Even Norwich I mean, would pick Norwich. The crowd are on top of you a little bit, aren't they? They're not hostile though, are they? They sing a song. They sing a bloody mad old song from the 1800s. On, on top of you in in, an, in a sort of friendly, maybe give you a little bit of a cuddle if you miss a chance sort of way, rather than a sort of spittle-flecked abuse thrown at you kind of way. No, not having it. Okay, um, I think we've um, firmly debunked that one anyway, but um, lovely stuff from Ben and Rogers nonetheless. Next up, a delightful... Um, favourite little genre of mine, Nick, which is the occasionally interesting replies people once received to letters they sent to football managers, which which pop up, pops up on Twitter sort of occasionally. And the template is, is usually kind of textbook level nice touches, skirting just the right side of massively condescending. So, you know, thanks for sending me this letter. And, 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 and the value is simply in the reply itself, almost regardless of what the words are. And he, he took the time to reply. So Clough would do would have done it back in the day and that sort of stuff. So so the template is well established. It's always very, very nice touch. Until now, Manchester City fan Simon Curtis posted this at the weekend. Um, he says, nice piece of MCFC memorabilia. Letter dated 1985 from manager Billy McNeil to my mate and then Harlem Netherlands resident Johnny Waters after he tipped City off about Harlem's young striker Rude Hullet. Hullet went to PSV instead, then world fame with Milan. City were relegated. So he set the scene here. This is um this is the reply, Nick, that he received from uh, Billy McNeil. Dear Johnny, thank you for your letter and recommendation. I will most certainly take your advice and, quote, have a good look at Rude Hullet. Although I must add that I do know quite a lot about the lad already. Again, thank you for taking the time and trouble to write to me. It was most appreciated. That is the most withering reply I've ever seen. Also, absolute bollocks. He doesn't. He has been caught out there. He's not. There's a young, uh, up and coming player that he hasn't heard of. And you know, this was the mid '80s. That we don't have Y Scout and the the uh, extended scouting networks that uh, we do now. He, he, he quite reasonably not have been aware of a, a young up and coming player yeah. in the Netherlands. But he's been, yeah, he's been caught with his pants down there, and he's tried to style it out. Well, that makes it all the more disgraceful. Of course you don't know who the bloody Rude Hullet is, and it's okay not to know who he is in 1985 and he's playing for Harlem in the Netherlands. Yeah. Like, just say, oh, thanks very much. Well, I'll, set, I'll, no this I'll send someone over. That would have been the nicest touch. Is Billy McNeil a sort of proto-internet uh, football hipster from around sort of 2010 who you mention a player and go, actually, yeah, I, I've been watching them since they played in the under-16s. Mm. For, um, yeah, I've had the Betamax sent over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Surreal as the idea of Rutilit turning out for Manchester City in the mid, mid-80s was um, I do I do like it yeah. though I because I, when I, I I sort of saw it on the running order I didn't properly take in the detail I didn't realize it was for, from the mid 80s and I just assumed this was like some kid who'd been playing like a, a proto version of football manager on an Amiga or something and a, mm. but it's a real he's actually been to it's that genuine scouting report you know which, yeah, which very much proved to be bang on the money so I like that yeah yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if anyone's got any um, even more condescending replies from managers in letters typed out on a typewriter and sent in the mid-80s, please send them in and uh, we'll read them out. A quick one for you next, Nick. Walton Yeah alerts us to a potential, albeit mild, Games Gone moment, uh, of which we we're always on red alert for. He noticed during the bruising encounter between Leeds and Burnley at the weekend that the Leeds video was wearing Predators. <laughs> Properly studied predators. Wonderful. I mean, is that games gone? I don't know if it's games gone. It's sort of. I, I, I would describe Gold that as and white as well. Sort of endearingly. Oh, oh well, that, um, oh, that might change some, something. Uh, I, I regard that as sort of yeah. endearingly childlike. The, the sort of. I think we may have discussed it on on this podcast before. The sort of faint idea I had when I was seven years old when I went to games in full kit and as my mother reminds me frequently shin pads as well with the sort of <laughs> faint presumably with the kind of faint hope that brian clough was gonna the the uh, right winger goes down and he points at the crowd and going you boy if any manager was gonna it would have been cluffy wouldn't it i suppose yes yeah just the sort of thing you can imagine somebody writing about in his biography there was one time in a preseason friendly <laughs> and he pulled a young boy out of the crowd played him at right yeah. back the kind of clough story that turns out to be massively untrue I think the game's gone nature of this entirely hinges upon the colour of the boots and, and are they modern predators? Because if they were like retro Beckham 97 predators, I think that's, I'd, I wouldn't mind that. But if it's like a pair of white ones or whatever, they're blades or they're the new style, you know, no tongued, boots of no tongue. Well, it, was, it was hard to tell on the footage exactly what um, incarnation of the predator we were talking, but it, it looked mid 2010s at the latest uh yeah and they were white and gold right, but okay. i mean well, white and gold if I a mean, physio regardless of the brand of boot if a physio is wearing white and gold boots that is games gone no doubt about it. it it felt like it felt like the the uh the the boots with no tongue was your personal games gone threshold there dave there was a <laughs> there was a venom in w- with which you said boots with no tongue which suggested that, that that's that was your limit that's that's you know maybe we, we need to we need to take an all-round approach to this, Nick. Why shouldn't a physio look good? Exactly. Why shouldn't a physio? And I mean, it's Leeds Burnley. He's going to be running on a lot. And as it turns out, he was on the pitch a lot. Um, so you're going to want to look your best. Look good, feel good. Yeah, and treat good. Well, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, but I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to embrace physios stepping up their footwear. It shouldn't all be Copper Monday, our trainers. should be allowed to express themselves. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Next up, a very big question, Dave, from Kono93, well worthy of a debate on this podcast. He says, how many shots on goal constitute a peppering and in what time frame? It's a great question. Is the peppering analogy, does that come from putting pepper on your food <laughs> yeah 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 sprinkling pepper okay yeah and then it i guess it extended to gunshot yeah. gunfire didn't it yeah peppered with gunfire so the, the rat-a-tat-tat of a yeah of a, of a gun <laughs> being fired from the mm. trenches it's more the frequency rather I, than yeah. the, the sensation though i don't think it quite translates because literally like you, you wouldn't be able to have that many shots in a in a really mm. short space of time in a football match and mm. and and, and uh, unless you had an extreme example of a goal mouth sort of comedy goal mouth scramble i think peppering, although oddly enough in that circumstance they wouldn't say peppering that's a weird thing if you, yeah. you could have three shots in the space of a few seconds they wouldn't say peppered they no. wouldn't they wouldn't, exactly. Mm. So I think peppering in this instant, I think you need an extended period, like 15 minutes, 
at least, okay, 15, and, they're, yeah. and they're shooting sort of every passage of play, sort of thing. Every if a team sort of sh- ends up shooting every time they get the ball, sort of thing. I think five in fifteen minutes, five on target efforts in fifteen minutes. Yeah, uh, is that a good threshold to go mm, for? Yeah. I think it's also dependent on none of the shots going in as well. I don't. Th- yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, you- the peppering stops as soon as the goal yeah. goes in. Completely. <laughs> yeah. Completely. I suppose we could debate the finer details of how much time and and, and frequency, but um, let's put it in the landscape of attacking intent, Dave. I would put peppering somewhere on the spectrum between concerted spell of pressure, laying siege, and the opposition goal leading a charmed life. I think it sits somewhere in the middle of all of that. A peppering isn't peppering is more like foreplay rather than a, <laughs> rather than a complete ravaging, isn't it? Go Where on. does taking pot shots fit into it? Uh, more speculative, mm. isn't it? So it's, I mean, you could take a pot shot from anywhere. Your team wouldn't necessarily necessarily have to be in the ascendancy. That, but I'm kind of think, that's kind of what I think sort of part of it is. It's just like getting the ball and shooting consistently, just shooting from everywhere because they think the keeper's dodgy or something. Okay. Well, the best the best we could come up with with Kono 93, the best will in the world, is a, is a shot every three minutes over the period of about 15, all on target. Um, but it's more, uh, as we say so often on this podcast, Nick, it's more of a vibe than necessarily a metric. Is that fair to say? Um, maybe peppering is where seasoned pros come from. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, <laughs> next up, brutal stuff from Sky Sports, Nick, in their online report from Harrogate 1, Exeter 1, writes Max Saunders. Uh, the intro begins, 10-man Exeter drew 1-1 at Harrogate after midfielder Josh Key ended his 48-game goal drought. Wow. Okay, interesting. You think, ooh, wow, that's a long time he's gone without scoring. Turns out he's a 21-year-old right back. Is this is this the damage that players like Trent Alexander-Arnold have done to the kind of to the brand where they're expected to contribute in the attacking third so much mm. that you are goal shaming young players? Goal shaming, nice. It's not their job. It's not like you, you might as well you, you you might as well kind of berate a striker for a, a long run of non clean sheets. Non clean sheets. Yeah, exactly that right. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely right. We should employ some sort of threshold here. You should be an attacking player or an attacking minded player who should be at least expected to get into double figures for a season before you can start talking about goal droughts, Nick. Is that fair? I, hang on, I, I don't I don't actually think anyone other than a striker should be allowed to have a goal drought. Even a winger, I don't think should it should be a goal drought, really. Not really. Uh, well, I mean, it's generally accepted, Dave, that if you are a midfielder of any attacking repute, it's useful for you to chip in with goals. Yeah, but is it a drought? So it becomes more rebu- it becomes more remarkable if you don't contribute a goal over a extended period of time. So let's say someone like a Genie Vijnaldum, if he's not scoring for 40 games, that becomes a thing then, right? Yeah, it might be, a, it might be a noted thing, but I, again, I wouldn't say it's a drought. Okay, okay. Yeah, because it's not a personal crisis. Mm. Is basically we're saying it's just. Because you could do other things. Anomaly. Yeah. In the team. Yeah, that's true. Maybe drought should be strikers only. Let's be definitive, Nick. I think that's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah. Right backs. But uh, but you get into sort of tricky, sort of slightly fancy football sort of definitions of what constitutes a striker. Now, I mean, is Son Hung Min a striker? He can have a drought because he's 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 one of the focal attacking points of the team. What about Jack Grealish? No, someone like Jack Grealish. You know, debate about whether Manchester are going to play him. I don't think of him as a goal scorer. Exactly. I don't really picture him scoring goals. He can have an assist drought that should be a thing that should be a thing like he just needs he needs to set up someone off his ass or something like that <laughs> that should become a thing i mean yeah we're, we're so serious about assists now that's a very good point assist drought i'm going to start i'm going to investigate that and see if that's a thing but yeah worrying scenes down at exeter 
Nick, perhaps we can um, we can put this one to bed early doors for this season. Are Wolves the most they'll be fine team in Premier League history as things stand? They've lost all three games 1-0, despite having 57 shots, boasting an XG of 5.06. E- I mean, even taking the stats out of it, you look at Wolves and think, oh, what a terribly exciting counter-attacking team. Talent all over the place. Uh, they, they'll be fine, won't they? They are the biggest they'll be fine team, mainly because Raul Jimenez is there... And they think, oh no, he'll he'll start scoring again soon, so they'll be fine. It's a, it's almost you could, Raul Jimenez is almost a sort of he'll be fine strike and one. But so yeah, absolutely, Wolves they'll be fine. The key to this, Dave, is that you need to be a team who really aren't too gargantuan to be in this situation. Like you couldn't they'll be fine Arsenal even now because we know that they probably will be okay. It's almost not worth saying. Right, I mean, yeah. you know, we know they're not going to get relegated despite the banter. Mm. You, you can use. They'll be fine, but you have to use very different intonation. So Wolves, okay. it's, oh, they'll be fine. Arsenal, yeah. it's, I mean, they'll be fine, but, and then you mm. go on from there, I think. Mm. You can te- technically still fear for Arsenal, even if you don't think they're going to get relegated. So um, some grey areas there and some clear-cut cases, both sorted out. Fascinating-looking transfer story popping out as we record, Dave. Um, 17-year-old Mexican forward Santiago Munoz is set to sign for Newcastle. What? Santiago hang Munoz. On, hang on. You couldn't script it. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? This is this is something I feel like they just couldn't turn down. This is one of the first transfers I've ever heard where the social media unveiling video precedes the transfer itself. Three volumes of the transfer unveiling video. <laughs> is it three? This feels like they won't be able to resist. This is very. But, this is pretty niche. But a few years ago, uh, Andy Thomas, who's a very good football writer, I think we, we probably all know, wrote a piece, a sort of satirical piece, saying where it, it was. The premise was that he was an investigative investigative reporter who had discovered that the transfer window window had become sentient and transfers were just happening without anyone knowing. This feels like that is a, this is actually occurring. It represents a huge dilemma, I think, Dave, for their social media team because as as a slam dunk of a piece of content, it is this player sharing ninety five percent of his name with the uh, lead character in the Gold trilogy who signed for Newcastle in the first edition of that. Um, he's only 17. He's going to go straight to an academy. They can't make a, too much of a fuss about it. So what are they <laughs> going to do? What are they going to do? They could ruin him. I think he's actually 19, according to <laughs> according to my research. So he might have a chance of getting into the team. But um, How long have we been recording? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I just can't believe it. I'm absolutely staggered. I often think if you're... If, say if someone's looking for a house and they find somewhere that is... It's the perfect place. It's just the right size. They can afford it. But it's on something like Bum Lane or something like that. (laughs) Do you... Bum Lane. (laughs) Carry on, because I'm going to Google if Bum Lane exists. (laughs) But do you you reject the house, which is perfect in every other possible way, because you don't want to say, my address is 19 Bum Lane? Would Newcastle scout a player like this who is... As you say, his name is almost the same as the character from Goal, uh, and then rejects him on the basis that, oh, come on, we'll be a laughing stock here. I don't know. There isn't a bum lane, but as previously um, documented on this podcast, Shepshire Dynamo play at the Dovecote Stadium, which exists on Butthole Lane. Which is, <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Or the flip side to your point, Nick, is certainly not beyond the realms of possibility that somebody out there at a football club, particularly one with as banterous a history of New- as Newcastle United, <laughs> would actually go out and find this bloke and say, we've got to do it, haven't we? We've just got to do yeah. it. Think of the likes, think of the numbers. Kuno Becker's phone must be ringing off the hook. Not that I suspect he's 
terribly busy these days. Has he done anything else? No, no, he hasn't. Um, so maybe he's uh, a little bit more interested in him. But interested to see how that one turns out. Um, it, it's got at least three films worth of uh, material to get through to live up to. So big job for him. Continuing on a transfer theme, Dave, um, for all the shock and awe that was Lionel Messi to PSG and Cristiano Ronaldo returning to Manchester United, there have been some reassuring all is right with the universe deals that have peppered this window. Uh, I point you towards Reading's little spree, little Barclays themed spree. They've signed Scott Dan, Junior Hoylet and Danny Drinkwater. Ooh. What are they aiming for? What are they going for? That's what's nice. This, what's this push that they're going for? Junior Hoylet, Scott Dan. Did Scott Dan play for QPR? Which you, I don't think he did, did he? But they, it all feels to me like they will have played with each other before, but they probably haven't come anywhere near it, to be fair, have they? I think so. Hoylet in particular is very much playoff places push. Drinkwater, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. But Scott Dan, actually, quite a wise signing, actually. Nick, um, to give it his due. It, it, it's also, this is also, particularly the Drinkwater signing has sparked a quite a niche genre of uh, internet football fans who think they are incredibly well-versed about the sort of financial rules of uh, the game, getting absolutely outraged that, that Reading, who are under some sort of some form of transfer embargo, how could they possibly afford Danny Drinkwater's wages? And then someone else piles in and goes, well, actually, they're probably only paying a percentage of it. And it, it, it all kind of unravels into a sort of uh, well-actually series of yeah. tedious arguments. Elsewhere, Nick, Andre Gray to QPR. Absolutely slam dunk, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. one of those where you have to kind of Google it to just double check that he hasn't played for QPR before. Dave, this one's very much up your street. I like this little combo. Musa Sissoko to Watford. Huge Watford energy mm. to Musa Sissoko. Very pleased about that. But going, in, uh, yeah, going out the door, Will Hughes returning to Crystal Palace, uh, as I like to think of it, for a third spell. I'm just too annoyed at the fact that he's there. Fuck's sake. Oh, Poor, he's, he's our, in his spiritual our home. Lovely will. No, he's, I've never no, heard. Of, he's not Palace. No, no he's too nice. He's immensely Palace. Palace. He's way more Palace than Watford. It's way more Palace than Watford. It feels like I need to kind of give, give a, the the casting vote here. He's very Palace, I'm afraid. Yes, just go excellent. Stuff. Also, just go briefly going back to Andre Gray. He, he it's I don't know whether this is an existing genre. It's a part of a new genre. He signed for QPR, so he'll now be presumably playing up front with Charlie Austin, who I think mm. he was bought to replace at Burnley, or there was oh, certainly, nice. which is kind of like one of those sort of specials of Doctor Who, where they get all the doctors to to sort of to <laughs> exactly in the same room. Like. I'm not like. I'm not going to look up whether Andrew Gray actually was specifically replying, uh, signed to replace Charlie Austin at Burnley because that'll ruin it. Um, but in my head, it's, it's true. So that's what counts. Well, let's hope they dovetail as they so clearly do on paper. Next up, um, David. David Ornstein exclusive this afternoon. I don't know how this will pan out by the time this podcast is released, but who cares? Saido Berahino is on the verge of a return to English football with an unnamed club before the transfer deadline. Now, such is the such is the theme of this podcast. I'm less inclined to find out who that club is than I am to actually guess who the club is. So let's gamble on this. Who is the most Saido berahino club in uh, summer 2021? Now, isn't it? Are Reading allowed to sign him, Nick? Well, actually, uh, I think you'll find that... Uh, I don't know. I don't know whether this They've is... They've done their money on Danny Drinkwater, <laughs> of course. So. <laughs> I could see Warnock taking him Middlesbrough oh yeah and actually no you, you're a good arm around right. the shoulder yeah. he's a good lad yeah. I think I can get him that, back on track that is sensational yeah. that's exactly it they're 13th in the championship yeah they're 13th in the championship they've scored 6 goals in 5 games they clearly need some extra firepower and Warnock with his arm around Berahino in a figurative sense it really does tick all the boxes thank you Dave that is perfect Ozan Kabak once of uh, Liverpool loan fame, uh, is joining Norwich, it seems. Fairly unremarkable, really, except for this stat. 
from at NCFC Numbers, uh, Norwich's number one Twitter data account. They say that Ozan Kabak has broken Norwich City's 87-year wait for a palindromic player since Joe Hanna played his final game for the club in 1934. Hashtag NCFC, hashtag welcome Kabak. Sensational stats. Is that a drought? And, uh, and, yeah, it's a palindrome yeah, drought. I mean, it's a drought and a long-awaited situation. It's good to have a palindromic player in your team, isn't it? It's nice. It's a nice touch. I mean, I'm very impressed by NCFC numbers there. That, I mean, that, that seems a little bit outside the wheelhouse of your usual statistical-based football Twitter account, but well done. Well, if you've got a spreadsheet of every player who's ever played for Norwich, I suspect you've got to try and flex its muscles at some point. <laughs> I don't know how Joe Hanna turned out. Uh, I imagine it started well, uh, didn't go great, and then finished nicely. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We talked about Arsenal briefly earlier, Nick, about the state of Arsenal. Their, uh, their drubbing at the hands of Manchester City at the weekend was uh, described in one outlet as, uh, as an afternoon to forget for Mikel Arteta. And it got me thinking, in his short period as Arsenal manager, I suspect he's had a lot of days slash afternoons slash evenings slash nights to forget. Then it, perhaps more than any other manager at this stage of a career. So I went as far, and I'm uh, putting NCFC numbers to shame here, I went as far as to create a league table of all the current Premier League managers and how many hits on Google they get for to forget for name. Now, that's a watertight approach. It can't be, it could be possibly misconstrued for any other situation. You've actually uh, done okay. this? Yes, I have actually done I, this. I, I about... saw this on the running order. just assumed that this was all some sort of farcical gag that you'd just gone through no. and just made it all up. But this is no, actually Nothing like this true. is made up. That's no, I've made, done all this. ridiculous. Yeah, I've done this on Google. Now, now I, sh- I should clarify, it's not a precise science. Um, of course, the same day slash afternoon slash evening slash night could appear more than once. Right. If, if, the, if the content becomes syndicated with other outlets. So I should make that clear. So that may muddy the league table somewhat. Although, no, it's still quite a nice... It still sort of works, though, because it's, the, it's sort of... The widespread yeah. documentedness yeah. of that. The bigger the forget, bigger the yeah. night to forget, the more places that will we'll talk about it. With that caveat in mind, Nick, who do you think is top of our table 
for days slash afternoons slash evenings slash nights to forget in their entire career. Cur- is this current Premier League managers? Current, current Premier League managers of the current 20 who has had the most times of day X to forget. It almost feels too obvious. Steve Bruce? Steve Bruce is sixth. Oh. Steve Bruce is hovering around the European places for um, times of day to forget with 1,170. Well, that's about just over what, about three and a half years, that? <laughs> I think he needs to just yeah. block out of his mind. <laughs> Increasingly <laughs> difficult to forget that many games and that many nights. Uh, I'll give you the top three, actually. Uh, Jurgen Klopp sits proudly top with 1,922 wow. times a day to forget, um, plus another six in German. <laughs> I know he's lost a few cup finals in his time, but... Yeah, I think it may, just, it may have just been one or two that have been just widely pronounced as such. He had a bad time, that, um, that sort of season at Dortmund, when it all went mm, wrong. I think he was spectacularly... Yeah imploded didn't it so maybe they will maybe they will come from from that maybe that run of six home defeats last season has boosted his total artificially because that was unsustainable um expected nights to forget run uh nick second uh, so perhaps surprisingly is patrick vieira 1877 i can't think of a single night i can't remember any of the nights he's had to forget it's nice to forget a accepted phrase in america because he would have been maybe he had lots of nights to forget there, I don't know. Rafa Benitez rounds out the top three with 1,730. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, 1,360. Mikel Arteta is fifth, hovering just outside the Champions League places with 1,206. So it turns out he's not uh, the manager with mo- the most times a day to forget uh, in his career. Uh, I fear I'm labouring this point. I want to find one more point of interest in here. Can you, between both of you, give me the three current Premier League managers who so far, according to Google, have never had a day afternoon, evening or night to forget in their managerial careers. This is just below Graham Potter, who's had one. I don't know. Uh, you'd instinctively say Guardiola, but he's lost a lot of... 1,090, sorry. Yeah, a lot, lot of big games there. Is this just going to be managers who aren't particularly famous? So they're, they're not... So it's got to be Cisco Munoz, right? And Watford. Cisco Munoz mm. has zero. Uh, so you're you're on the right line with these. Very much so. Who else? Who else? Ralph, Ralph Hasentotl? No, hang on. He's lost, he's lost 9-0 twice in the last... Yeah. He's only got two. <laughs> there you go. He's got two. It must be one each. Fantastic. <laughs> it does work. The system works. <laughs> Fantastic news. Anyway, yeah, the, no, the bottom three is complete with Bruno Lage yeah. okay, yeah. with zero and Thomas Frank. He's um, lost the playoff final. Thomas Frank. Ah, uh, but ah, uh, but is that is that an afternoon to forget? Because you're never going to forget that. Mm. You can never brush. I mean, if anything, you you remember it. And you build on it, and you, you look back yeah. at it and go, "Well, we're never going to let this happen to us again." Fair enough, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, days slash nights slash afternoons to forget only just kind of run on the mill league games, then. Yeah, I, d- I don't think there's much nuance to it. I think it could be any occasion, but I think more higher profile it is, the less likely they are perceived to forget it. On that note, producer AD says you can bet your life that Ateta will not forget about any of these things. He will have been up all night watching that game one million times with a bunch of data nerds, and it will make no odds. The likes of Harry Redknapp would have taken the entire coaching staff and the wives for a slap-up meal in the West End, got hammered and truly forgotten about it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's true, Nick. You can't forget about anything in the year of video analysis. It's, um, it's never going to be an afternoon to forget for Michele Teta because he's going to have to watch it three times again then the following day. And The phrase is obsolete, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so whenever you hear that phrase, please come to me and I will refer you to my uh, league table, which I will keep updated. What image comes to mind when you think of Harry Redknapp the players and their wives having a slap-up meal in the West End. What is a slap-up meal? Where are they? Where are what they? establishment are it's they not in? An anger sta- it's not an anger steakhouse, is no, it? No, that's too low, maybe that, low end. Yeah. Maybe that basement place in Soho, the, the, the kind of, you, you go back and suddenly it's uh, the 1920s in France. Oh, uh, Brasserie Zadel. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, no, it, it definitely is that. Yeah, getting that platter of um, oddly undercooked meat, <laughs> um, which which looks nice on the menu. Then you get it, and it's oh, I wish I hadn't ordered that. So anyone who goes to Zadell, bear that one in mind. Nice service though. Really do treat you like a like a king. <laughs> anyway, uh, we finish as we so often currently do, Nick with Premier League years, Spotify playlist bingo. You know the drill by now. I want you to give me a number between 1 and 1,375, and we will talk very briefly about what we think that song pertains to in Premier League years. Now, am I allowed to be tactical again and, and use the yeah. use last week as, as a marker? So yeah, I'm, very much encouraged. I'm going to go uh, 131. Oh, very close to your previous guess. Yeah. You're very much um, ensconced in the early years. What was it, 131? Yeah. That is no good Start the Dance by The Prodigy. Oh, that's strong. It was wasn't quite the one I was aiming for, but I'm happy with that. You're very much an early season, lots of action, lots of things to look forward to in this coming season in the Premier League kind of vibe for this. But yeah, a lovely mixed bag today. Thank you for all your questions and all your queries. They were very much in the spirit of football cliches. We wait with bated breath to see where Sido Berahino ends up. I hope it is indeed at Middlesbrough, as forecast by David Walker. And uh, we'll be back next time with something equally exciting. Cheers to everyone. Bye-bye. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.